You're listening to The Life of Tri. It's triathlon for your ears. Uh, the Life of Tri, we are kicking off another ep. This might be 32, I believe. The man who's ridden paddled this canoe alongside me, Kevin McKinnon. How you going, Kev? I am good, Phil. I am almost afraid of what's coming at me today. So um, yeah, it's it's early in the morning here and I'm just not sure if I'm ready for the, uh, the, the world, world record blitz. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna keep our powder dry on that. For those who know me well, know there's something coming. Um, I've been stewing on this for the past three days. I'm, I'm ready to, to go. So a little bit later this week at the podcast, but uh, firing still for your weekend. Um, hope whatever you're doing, whether you're running, riding, or just uh, lying back with uh, some cucumber eye patches on listening to us, I hope you're enjoying yourself. Uh, I'm Phil Rockner. Eye patches. <laughs> is, is this something you do on a regular basis, Phil? Kevin, don't knock it until you try it. Uh, I'm Phil Rockner. This man is Kevin McKinnon. He is the head doyen of Triathlon Magazine in Canada. The beautiful people from there, we thank them for their support and also for what Kevin brings to this bountiful table. Kevin, I got a gravel bike and I've come late to the party, but there's still a party. Aha, uh-huh. and that is a great move. Gravel has, uh, I have had very limited experience, but what I have done with it, I have loved. It is, uh, uh, yeah, to me, it, it's a game changer in the bike industry, I think. Yeah, I'm massively late to it. I, I understand that. So people are going to be sitting there going, oh, dude, where were you three years ago? But um, where I live on the surf coast of Victoria, there is literally, and I'm not making this up, there is hundreds of kilometers of gravel roads everywhere and it runs all the way through the Otway forest which is as if you you know if you want to google something awesome google Otway forest down in Victoria it's stunning a lot of farmland I rode the other day for I reckon about two I knew bike and so I was trying to break it in a bit with seat post height and all that other crap I reckon I rode Kevin for about two and a quarter and the car count zero I got passed by a, by a trail bike, passed by a trail bike, like a motorbike trail bike, and that's it. There was, and I'm not making any of this up. There was not a single car, truck, anything that was near me. Like Jesus, what a what a heaven! Because I'm not a nice person at the best of times. This is kind of like my nirvana, being just out there. I love it. Well, that is great, and. Um... Rumor has it you're gearing up for a gravel bike race. I'm going to throw a number on you, right? There's um, some dudes down here called Rapid Ascent, uh, really good folks. They put on some really good race. They used to do a really good race series, adventure race series. Um, they've got a gravel race, I think, in Feb, and I'm, I'm eyeing it off now, Kevin. I'm thinking, you know what? It's time to get my fat can out of a chair and, and back on and doing some more stuff. But Oof, I tell you, the quads are not enjoying what I'm up to. So uh, I'm dragging them along reluctantly at the moment. Yeah, hey, that's awesome. And and I always find it's best to, like, you throw it out there and and then you kind of have to do it, right? <laughs> so now, I, now I've, uh, I've thrown that out there and everyone knows that Phil is gearing up for the uh, race in February now. There it is. Countdown is on. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. It should be fun. And if nothing else, it's just a chance to hang out with some good people and and uh, and have some fun again because the world has opened. Um, now, got a lot of feedback from the last podcast, which was with Harry Young. Um, 
really interesting guy. Um, Kevin, when I sat down with him, I know Harry to say hi to and to have a chat about things too, but we're not best mates. Like I don't know his backstory. If you haven't listened to it, the Harry Young one, I urge you to listen to it because it is a really good story about resilience and overcoming. And Jesus, you know, going from stabbing victim to paying off a gambling debt to the brother to the death to the, you know, I won't spoil it, but good God. I mean. Yeah, it was it was one of those stories like you kind of, oh, man, this guy's gone through. And then it just keeps building. Um, yeah, yeah. As you say, resilience um is uh, should be his uh, his middle name uh, it's yep. just pretty amazing mm. uh, that he has he has just made it through um all of this so yeah, yeah great uh, it was a, it was a great piece really enjoyed it if you thank you if you can get through the first 7 minutes of banter um maybe scrub forward and listen to it but um it does give you an idea though he's up and about he's we caught up we recorded on the like and released it sort of last week, and I caught him. He was actually coming through my area last week, and so we had a quick catch up. And um, well, he's a live wire. He's a big, rangy, tall fellow, live wire, up and about, um, and and just a really lovely fella to have a chat to. Um, I'll be interested. I've, I've asked him to sort of check in after Western Australia because a few people have asked if we'd do that. So he said, "Yeah, he's more than happy." And I think Ironman have got hold of the story too. So Ironman are going to give him a little bit of love too. And it's, you know, a nice thing for a rookie pro to see how he goes. Obviously, Kevin, you've made that journey when you've decided that you can, you know, swing the pro bat. I, of course, uh, stuck to what I knew best, which was back of the packing. But, um, yeah, great effort, isn't it? Um, and the travel that he's got to do to get into Western Australia because they're still believing that they're a separate country to everybody – He's got to do a week in Adelaide and then go across a week in Adelaide. Like that sucks like four years out of your life. Um, <laughs> you know, when, when you land in Adelaide, they always say, welcome to South Australia where the time is 1975. Like it's a shithole. Um, Matthew White, don't come after me. Um, but he's got to jump about eight different hoops to get through, which is, um, I know where we are in this COVID world. We've probably got to expect that, but uh, it will be a journey. Uh, not unlike... Let's get into it, buddy. The journey that we saw, the farcical journey that we saw in Cozumel, where we did see, uh, you know, a decent effort, no doubt. Um, (laughs) A decent effort. That's what you're going with here. 721 is a decent effort. Okay. Yeah. He just got over, he Uh, just fell over the line. Fast in this gravel race in February. Like, you know, we want to see a bit better than a decent effort. It was, look, it was phenomenal. And and no one can deny that. Look, what he put down was ridiculous. I don't know, Kevin. I mean, you know, did you see this coming? We all thought he was racing and it was, you know, it was nice to see. And we all sort of go, wonder what he's going to do. But Jesus, didn't he put it down? Uh, I did not. I really did not envision um anything that fast um i wasn't surprised with the 235 marathon after uh you know gustav eden went 234 and change i think it was 234 50 or something like that in florida a couple of weeks before and and you you know i think these guys are healthy rivals if that's a, a phrase i can use like you know i think they you know have done a lot of training together and you know they are both kind of pushing the limits. Um, so I wasn't surprised there. Uh, the 402 bike 
um, riding, you know, around, uh, it sounds like they had to go around puddles and like it was pouring rain the entire time. So I was a little surprised uh, with that and then um, and disappointed with the <laughs> 39 minute swim. It just like, <sighs> it just takes everything away from it. You know, you're like, oh, um, so, you know, hence my uh, my original uh, headline, you know, Blumenfeld Blast to Ironman Cozumel Well in, in Ironman Record Time, which might not be recognized due to down current swim. You know, I'm like, ah, you know, do we need to have another asterisk again? So, um, and then, yeah, I, you know, it, it sounds like based on his Strava data and stuff, the, the bike course was pretty much uh, bang on. The run course was a tiny bit short. Um, so, uh, but it just brings up the whole, why can't we certify courses uh, okay. question to me, which I am sure you are ready to get. <laughs> I've just teed up for you. <laughs> um, if you've got kids in the room, get rid of them now. I'll give you a second. <laughs> like this is complete bullshit. I, I, you and I are in furious agreement. How hard is it? How hard is it to put on a race with the required distance to make sure that you're going to get this? It's so beyond fr- like frustrating. I was frustrated 10 years ago. This is just maddening amateur hour shit can racing. Okay. So Cozumel, you know what? You might have, we've got to rely on athletes Strava data to understand if they've actually done the course and if it's the right. And as you said, it's a short run. If it's 20 meters short, I'm going to give it a pass. But if it's 40 meters short, 50 meters short, 100 meters short, then it is a shit course. It doesn't rate. It doesn't get verified. And it shouldn't get entered as an Ironman distance race. It's not that hard with all the GPS technology and all the surveying technology that we have in mapping. We're not asking you to cartograph. We're asking you to lay out a course that sits there and has exactly what we want, which is the 3.8118 in 42.2 to make sure that we can actually verify it. Just like Twitter gives you a blue tick when you're nice and important, Iron Man needs to give a tick to the racers to understand that it is verified. When I pushed Andrew Messick on this point a decade ago, a decade ago, and we are still amateur airing our way through this, Kevin, and we haven't picked it up. And the PTO and Challenge and everybody else can sit there and blow their trumpet about how professional they are. If you can't get a course right, then you're not bloody professional. You're not running a tight race. And anything that happens like this leaves people like me sitting there going, the first question we ask is not how awesome is he? We ask, is the course viable? And mate, what are we doing a decade on still in this mess? Oh, that felt good. Oh, so um, I really wish you would quit beating around the bush and tell me what you think. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, hey, I, I am with you. I, um, I, I understand the challenges, right? Like, you know, you've got to figure out you know, the courses, like in Cozumel, right? They have they have this perfect loop, right? So they do that. I think it's three times they they do that loop and. And, you know, you kind of, you don't want to have to add a little out and back to anything. Um, but, you know, it's I, based on stuff, it sounded like the, the bike course was relatively accurate. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 but I understand, well, no, I don't understand. Part of it is costs, right? Like I know that it's, it's you know, to get a marathon course certified to the IAAF, uh, you know, 
you know, certification standards, you know, a guy's got to get out there. Like they literally have a one mile steel uh, tape that they put down to, to, to register the wheel and, and then, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, it takes, takes people two or three days to do it properly. Uh, so it's expensive. And, um, you know, as, as we've talked about before, Iron Man's all about the profits. And, and so, you know, forking out a few more thousand to certify a course. Um, yeah, they don't want to do that. And I can't imagine how much it costs to certify uh, a bike course. But yeah, I'm with you. Like with all the technology now, it really shouldn't be that hard um, to go out, measure a course a bunch of times with the GPS um, and uh, make sure it's accurate. It's yeah. And as you, and you are bang on with the, the really sad thing is that was the first thought when I, well, I saw, as soon as I saw the swim split, I was just like, Oh man. Uh, like, uh, now I don't know how you fix that. Like, so it sounds to me like the swim course was the right length. It's just that they're swimming down current. So I don't know what you do with that. Do you make it, uh, maybe you have to mandate that you start and finish in the same spot for a record swim. I understand nothing. <laughs> Do you know what, mate? I, yeah, and I get, I get that too. Maybe they didn't. Um, didn't Luke Bell have the um record swim for Ironman at that shambolic Ironman New York, which was like Ironman Brooklyn, and. I think at some point he had the fastest Ironman swim because there was like, and he might verify this um, because there's a raging current. Yeah. Well, and then Chattanooga, um, you know, they, they kind of close, they can affect the speed of the river in Chattanooga. Um, Like, you know, damn it. And I don't know how how it happens, but, um, but like the day before the first Chattanooga, um, I still remember, uh, there was one of the, one of the, um, sound guys who does announcing, um, just jumped in and floated down in 46 minutes. Like he did not <laughs> take, all he did was float. Now they, you know, they slowed the, the thing down. And so the, the next day they only went 39 minutes or whatever. Uh, but still like, you know, it's, yeah, it, it's a little crazy now, you know, <laughs> the one year that they, they had, um, uh, Chattanooga 70.3 and they tried to do a, a start and finish in the same place. A lot of the athletes couldn't make it up to the turnaround because the current was so hard. So you know, <laughs> I, I, I get the challenges there. But, but here's the thing, Kevin, you, you, you talk about cost and I, and you know, to a point I get that, that part of putting on a race is, well, part of giving anybody who's giving you a thousand bucks to race is that you give them what they're after. And that's an I man, not, you know, five Ks off here or three Ks off here and that kind of stuff. You only do survey a course once though, right? Like once you've got it surveyed and it's accurate, you run the same course each year because you know it's accurate, right? You know the bike course starts here, goes here. And if you have to add it a loop, I know it's not aesthetically pleasing, but you're giving people the full whack distance of what they, they're, they're training for and what they expect. Like it, I think you, you only survey a course once and then once Ironman gets their hands on it and certifies, see PTO need to get involved in this shit as well because it's not just for you know Ironman to do it, but it's also across the board. If PTO want to have and create a, a series, a race series that's legit and and pros that are racing legit um, 
courses, then they've also got to get involved and, and see what they can do to, you know, maybe they'd have a survey team that goes around bringing this in and they can lower their cost because the guys know what they're doing. They come in, they, they have, you know, a setup that they can do that. And races then get a tick that says, this is Ironman distance certified. And I think that would alleviate and would be a race attractant. If I'm telling you, Kevin, this race has got all the distance in it and it's been certified, it's been checked, I would think that would be an attractive thing because people go, well, okay, I know what I'm doing. The swim's a bit tough. Those dam controlled rivers, and I've got a little bit of experience in this, and the dam controlled rivers are tough. They, you know, obviously release water to power turbines and, and all that kind of thing. And, you know, when they're doing that, it's it's trying to get that measure right. Too much water goes through, too quick a swim, too little water goes through, it becomes slack water and dead water. So it's kind of it's a little bit, I mean, but you know, getting some local hillbilly to float down in his um in his inner tube drinking beers in 46 minutes, that's that's not good. You know, that's not good because a pro is going to get down there, as you said, in, you know, in 35. And so I, I I was mixed emotions. When I saw what Blumenfeld had done, I was incredibly, I mean, you and I have seen this evolution. If you're new to Ironman, you just think everyone goes sub eight all the time. And the top 10 guys in that race all broke eight hours. It, that's unheard of five years ago. That's unheard of, you know, not too, in the not too distant past. It's not regular and and you know even at um the south african championships i think eight of the guys out of the top 10 went sub eight if you're not doing sub eight now as a pro and i man you're cooked don't bother don't bother but but the one i feel more bad about is uh rudy you know who who goes out there and smashes a 736 and is still 15 minutes off the win <laughs> I don't think you feel badly for him. I think, you know, what a, what a great race. And I think he's retired now on that. Like, um, and why would uh, he can't win? Well, yeah, but I, I, I want to go back to the certified thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not sure that certifying the course is going to attract people. Um, you know, like this is one of the things that I I'm really wrestling with, with the uh, race ranger uh, stuff, like I love that technology. I think hopefully you love that too. That whole concept of you know getting out there and really nailing drafting. But I don't think most triathletes really care. I think that uh, most of them are just you know quite fine with um, with all of the stuff that's going on. And and yes, I you know I know that you you and I and the people that we hang out with and. Um, are like, oh no, we've got to nail all of this. But I think the mass, the mass numbers just don't care. And that's why this has continued. It'd be an you know, interesting Vox Pop though, isn't it? If you wandered around Ironman Village and just said, hey, do you care if the race is the right distance or not? Interesting what you'd get. I, I, I don't... I don't dislike your theory. I think there's something to that. I think there's something to, you're right, that the average punter just shows up and goes, well, what's there in front of me? It's like sitting down at a shit dinner. You just eat what's there, right? Um, and that's what um, most age groupers do. The You bring up an interesting point, though. This race ranger technology, now I've, uh, I'm planning for him to show up on the podcast at some point as soon as I get my backside into gear. Um, so in the next couple of weeks, hopefully we can have a chat. I from what I understand, though, isn't it more to about, you know, there'll be a reluctance for uptake for this because it means less athletes on the course? 
Well, that that in theory, um, that would certainly be the case. I, you know, and and my other question with the race ranger is it still all comes back to officials. So, um, so basically, the race ranger technology, um, World Triathlons kind of told told those guys like we want the data to go back to an official. He's going to be seeing stuff on a tablet, and then he's going to head on out and decide who he's who he's going to go and and he or she are going to go after um, instead of it just being a, a lock like this person was within this distance for this many times in the race. Yep. Um, so they're out. Right. Which is, um, you know, like we're still coming back to an official having to make a call, which is part of the problem. So, but, and yes, I, I totally see, like, I can't see Ironman wanting this because you put 3000 people on a course, um, in Arizona, three loop course in Arizona and they don't fit. Um, so, (laughs) you know, like, you know, well, yeah. So, but this is the thing that I come back to Arizona. People keep going back to Arizona. Thousands of people keep going back to Arizona, um, because they know that they're, gonna have a chance to just sit in a big old pack um and go fast and What's, and, um, and, and the thing is rice, Kevin, like, that we hide i just want to go night. back to like when you go around and ask them all they're all going to say oh yeah i'm 100 opposed to drafting yeah we need to get it out but then they do it on race day <laughs> so um this is where you know you walk around hey do you want it to be an accurate course absolutely i want it to be an accurate course but how many people are walking around going, hey, I just set a 30-minute PB at Challenge Roth this year and not telling people that the bike was 20K short, Yeah, right? Like, there's yeah. lots of them. Um, and, and what's the European race that we keep bagging? Was that um, the Ironman? Barcelona. Yeah, that joint. Like, imagine those guys with Race Ranger. If that thing, like, hit a beep or something every time someone was drafting. <laughs> It'd be a continuous, man. Like he'd be more official. If it was beeping and he had like a headset, he'd have to like his head would just explode, explode. with all of the all of the warnings. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like, I absolutely love the technology. I really hope that the that it all takes off and everything. But um, I just am I am just so fearful of a few of those things. And yes, I would love to. Actually, maybe we should. Uh, See if we could do it as a Facebook Live uh, deal and get the three of us on there because I'd love to be involved mm-hmm. in that conversation. Yeah, any 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 excuse to get my pretty face on screen. Um, I, I, I like look. It's perfect for radio. <laughs> yes. That is uh, that's my that's the way I go. So not all of us can be you know lean and tan like you, my friend. Um, I find that the the um, the drafting side of things, it's kind of you see it. And it sort of everyone asks up about Barcelona and all that sort of stuff. And as you said, Arizona and 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 that kind of thing. And then it kind of goes quiet again. Then it comes up. And then this race ranger came out and everyone was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, going to revolutionize. But, yeah, the powers that be don't want less people on the course. It, it's, it's butts in seats that make money. So I hope that we're going to get some traction with these guys. Um, and I think they've put in a heck of a lot of work to get it right. But it's uh, – yeah. So can I just uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up on the race distances, uh, you know, I've always found it interesting that um, even uh, World Triathlon, I was about to say ITU, World Triathlon, you, you sort of look 
um, at, at their, if you look at the race results, it's always really cool. If you go right down to the bottom, there's like the little officials report and they actually outline the distances. Um, and, uh, because, you know, they have a kind of a range of what, uh, an Olympic distance or standard distance needs to be right. You know, so it's supposed to be 40 K, but I think, uh, you know, the bike can be as short as 36 and as long as 42 or something like that. Um, and they're basically kind of keeping in mind, like they want to have a safe draft legal course. So if you go out and you, you know, you do this loop um, and you go, oh, this is an absolutely perfect course, but it's going to end up coming sh up short or a little bit long. And they kind of go, okay, well, that's fine um, because we want exciting racing. We want something that's visually, you know, good for television um, and we want it to all be safe, right? So we don't want, you know, a bunch a pack of 50 guys having to do a little hundred meter out and back just to add on the distance to make, to make this whole thing work. Um, but, and, and I don't really have a problem with it because they don't run around saying, well, here's the fastest ever, you know, standard distance race, right? Like they don't care, um, on that front. No. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, there, maybe there's a happy medium where you, you say like, you're going to sort certify certain number of courses. And these are the only ones where a quote unquote world best can, yeah. can be held. Yeah. Something like that, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, sorry. No, but it's, it's you know, if you hear of a 100-meter world record or a 100-meter freestyle world record, the, the, the last thing on your mind, the first question is in athletics is how juiced are they? The second thing you ask, though, is you've never said, oh, the track's, is the track accurate? Is the pull the right? Like, it's just bullshit. Come on, man. We've got to be better than this. And find a way, right? I agree. Maybe you need, again, you need marquee races, you know, like the regional championships and things like that. Maybe they're the first races to get certified and and then you can start calling world titles on what you see in terms of time um reading your wonderful uh website which is triathlonmagazine.ca uh the beautiful people there i think it was uh nate walsh who wrote an updated piece about uh what are the triathlon world records for each distance that article was nuts right <laughs> it's just so and i'm not blaming nate because he's written this very nicely and tried to break it down but it's batshit crazy the fact that we've got full distance and then you go down and you go to um Ironman man branded times and you know what the hell and he chucked in that fastest canadian time which let's be honest wasn't that great and then you go to half distance and then you go to 70.3 and then i man branded best time and olympic and standard look it's just nuts right this is all nuts and he does a nice job of getting to it because I, I did read the article but i i couldn't help as i scrolled through it thinking oh my lord this oh, sport is so fragmented it's so ridiculously fragmented that it's like you know, it's like boxing with the 27 different belts. You know, at some point, are we going to just unify a few of these um, places? The short answer is never. But it would be yeah. just nice if races were Ironman races and, and, and you know, I don't know, that we weren't having to go through all these different things. Um, and, again, it's mission impossible. But I just did think that that list was exhausting because he had to go through 15 different versions of one race. Crazy town. 
Yeah, no, and and in Nate's defense on some of this, I did update that story. So um, some of those, like the Canadian full distance, that was my ad and stuff. But um, um, and and what's wrong with our seven forty three is fast. Um, yeah, sure. Um, you know, for, for Lionel, yeah. <laughs> um, you're lucky you got that bloke. Um, uh, you, yeah. Look, he's done. I'm not. I'm not giving him. Um, I'm not giving him stick about it. It's a tough. I know. I, I totally hear what you're saying, and yeah, like I'm, I'm with you. Like I was going through and trying to ratify the uh, the standard distance times, right? That's where I sort of realized, you know, sort of realized what World Triathlon does is, you know, they they set something up that is is going to be good and safe, as opposed to worrying about that stuff. Um, so yeah, and maybe maybe our sport is just not one that lends itself to world records. But the problem is we. Um, and this is why I refuse to ever call stuff world records. You know, I've always called them world bests and and stuff like that because I, I really don't think you can have a world record um, in in our sport um, unless you have exactly what I was talking about earlier, um, a, a very certified course that you, one, know is totally accurate distance and, two, know that there aren't specific advantages along the way. Yeah. So you know, downstream swim, down current swim in Cozumel, whatever. Um, but uh, the problem is that uh, you're, we, <laughs> we're, and I, I feel a little bit like Iron Man here, you know, people need to get bums and seats, right? And you need to write stories and write headlines that get people to click in this world now. Um, and it's so frustrating to me that, um, you know, people want to see that, that word world record before they'll go in and read the story. So yeah. you just can't win. No, you can't. It's um it's a it's a tough one. Um our mate Sebastian Keenley, the only person I wish outside of Australia who always was Australian, um, his world see you later tour, farewell tour ended in a <laughs> no, a two year farewell tour. I, know, it's not bad, I love it? it. I know. Um he ended up in the second. Uh he was at seven thirty two, a couple of minutes behind Maurice Clavel. Uh, and Rasmus Svenningsen, my man, uh, at 7.34. In the women's race, Ruth Astle, Anna Wilkins, Watkinson, sorry, and Jade Nicole, local, two locals there. In- yeah, so you're obviously talking about the Ironman African Championship in yep. Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Yep, and we're talking to the fact that eight of these dudes as well, 7.55 all the way through to 7.30 in that top eight. Um, yeah, but don't forget, uh, don't forget the swim was 1.9k there. So oh, that's right. they cut it short. In yes. saying that, yes, you're right. I didn't pick that up. Um, in saying that though, uh, it was good racing though. The spread of um, the spread of pros was over. I think the podium was separated by four minutes, which is good. Um, and I still hold true to the fact, as I said earlier, if you can't bust eight hours in an Ironman, you you got no hope and even though this was a touch short at seven thirty, you think about swimming another one point nine, you're probably yeah. So it's probably they probably were yeah. I think definitely in the sub eight. You know, uh, Maurice is probably twenty two twenty four minutes. Um, yeah, so he's uh, thereabouts, right? Swim. So yeah, but really exciting. You know, I, I so I, I'm I'm not sure how much of a golf fan you are, uh, but one thing that I have been um, thinking about a lot of late is, um, you know, Arnold Palmer was one of the most popular golfers ever. And, yep. you know, Jack Nicholas was the one who won so many more majors than Arnold Palmer, who ended up with a lot of seconds. 
in those. Um, but he was really popular. And I just keep thinking about uh, Lionel Sanders with, I think he had four second place finishes uh, in full distance races this year. Um, but, you know, super, really popular. And um, uh, and I was thinking the same thing for Sebastian, you know, a, a very popular runner-up finish. Like so many people were pulling for him. So um, I just kept thinking on that. Uh, but Maurice Clavel, like I think he had been, um, I would consider him the best. Like he was like Luke Bell. And remember how we talked about Luke Bell as being the best Iron, or the best pro out there who hadn't won an Ironman for yeah. so long. Yeah. And Maurice was Maurice was that person. Um, and so this was a huge breakthrough win for him because um, for him to get the win is awesome. But for him to get the win over Sebastian um, just legitimizes that win, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Luke Bell, the thing I always respected with him was he didn't, chase an easy race to get that first win no right? like he was like uh peter reed who uh um uh his manager told him look get your butt over to lanzarote so you can get a win uh, <laughs> luke just luke you know would go to uh, he went down to brazil to race all the brazilians yeah um he battled you know, galindez he battled battled uh brownie at, in in taupo in, and, in taupo right yeah. like he just he would go to go to all the places where, um, you know, there was a king in place, and and he would go down there and and try and take that on, and and I that was I always had so much respect for him for that. When and, uh, once so they crack it, it though, Maurice Clavel for his big win. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Once they crack it though, like I think Luke went on to win four. He won he won a North American title too one year. Um, yeah. You know, once they unlock it it might lead to more. And, you know, when you can run, you know, 245 on that course, um, you know, they're obviously one of the fastest runs of the day. I think it might have been closest to the fast. I think Svenningson might have been the tick quicker. But um, when you look at that sort of form and, you know, maybe that'll open it up for him a little bit more too once you sort of crack that first victory as we've seen. Ruth Astle did a nice job, as we said, 8.38 and a couple of yeah, minutes. Yeah, so and worth ch chatting about Ruth Astle a little bit. Yeah, so a former age group world champion. Um, she turned pro in uh, early 2020, just in time for COVID. Yeah, um, good plan. And uh, she's, uh, I believe, used to work in the, in, like at a bank. I think she might even still do one day a week, um, like in the sort of financial banking world. Um, but she was like, you know, when she was racing as an age grouper, she was like the real deal, like having to, you know, get up at four in the morning and, and do her workouts because she was working these eight and 10 and 12 and 14 hour days and, and all that stuff. Um, and what a great story Two two wins. And it was either five or six weeks. Uh, she took, um, uh, took, uh, her first IF Ironman win in, uh, Mallorca and then followed it up here. So, um, I think a great story. I really want to follow up uh, with doing a feature on her for the magazine, I think. Yeah, she's good. And part of, again, that, you know, that GBR. Oh, seriously. Can you imagine trying to make, now you've got uh, Lucy Charles Barkley getting into the uh, Olympics, Olympics yeah. mix. Um, like it is, it is insane trying to make the Olympic team. Um, you know, I think Lucy Charles Barkley was, the sixth fastest or something at uh, at the last uh, world uh, uh, world triathlon event in Bahrain, and she was twelfth or something. You know, it's it's crazy. 
Yeah, we're trying to get a few of them to defect. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's. Uh, I, think, I, you know what, Australia is usually doing pretty well. You guys just, um, you need to like Canada, get a little bit of a break and and get caught up on the COVID racing thing and. I am confident uh, it'll come back on for you guys. Yeah, I'm not holding breath at the minute. Anyway, esports. Now, Uh-oh. this is where I wish we had that 200. Was it how much do you pay a year to ask a triathlete a question? What was that thing we were talking <laughs> that, that app? <laughs> um, we asked a few weeks ago. Um, $120, I think it was, or something. Yeah, I could use one right now. Um, Super League. I must admit, we, we were fans of Super League this year. We loved what they did, the fact that they had a four-week season, that they bunched it all together and they timed it well and they had, you know, new teams and stuff like that. It was all very exciting. So I think they did a good job. I'm not at all being disparaging or sarcastic. We were fans of what they got up to. Now they've decided that they've announced uh, with World Triathlon a long-term strategic partnership, I'm obviously reading from a press release, to create and grow a triathlon esports series. You know, in this day and age and where we are at the moment and the way people consume media, how we are so ridiculously hooked into our phones. Do you know there was a company, you know, that that, that was talking, um, sorry, there was a person talking about, you know, phones and how intrusive they are and the next level is you're going to get a chip put into your head. And someone refuted that and said, well, when are you ever a meter away from your phone? It's a really good point. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up, Kevin, is not because I like to talk about the futuristic things, is because this is where we are, right? The esports has taken over. You can win a world title in Fortnite and you can make more cash than any triathlete's making. It's lucrative, sponsored, paid. I mean, I suppose I shouldn't be surprised it's going to barge its way into the Olympics. Yeah, well, I, I, I think... I think we're still a ways away from it uh, making it into the Olympics. Um, and um, yeah, it, it, this is something I, I'm fearful of talking too much about because I really don't know enough about it. Um, but I guess I would argue the sports is entertainment, right? And and that's what we, you and I have to get our heads, uh, like sports at that at the pro level um, and is, is it's just entertainment. And yeah. so it's all about, you know, if you get enough people watching, um, then there's money behind it. So that's why there's way more money in tennis and uh, football, uh, American football, and I guess, you know, um, soccer, football, football, um, all of these sports that have insane fan bases and have television and all that stuff. Um you know, there's lots of money in there. And so if there's enough of an audience to watch all of this, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and at least with triathlon, let me just, uh, one more thing. Uh, the, the, at least with triathlon, um, it is, uh, you know, people are actually doing the stuff as, as with cycling as well, right? So, um, you know, you're on this Zwift platform, but you're still biking and running. It's not at least, at least you're not just moving a controller. No, I, I no, I get that, and and look, I'm I'm fully across, um, you know, the whole e world. Obviously, you know, um, you got two young kids who are all over it. You sort of quickly follow it, and and yeah, I get it, right? Like, I get, I get the popularity of it. 
I'm I'm on the fence. I really don't have an opinion like you. I don't have an opinion. I I'm just going. Well, I'm fearful, but I'm like, well, at the same time, I mean, would I watch it? I don't know. I might look at it. Am I their target market? Probably not. But I still may look at it, and I would still not want to be disparaging towards it because I haven't seen it. You know, I don't know what the overall plan looks like. But you're right. I mean, it's a little bit different to a um, a dude sitting there playing a video game because it's not a video game. It's simply just being projected as one via yeah. you know via Zwift, which is what the plan is. We all seen Zwift. We know what that is. Um, and again, you know, the esports market is no doubt got a lot of upside and a lot of potential and a lot of movement to it as well because I don't think technology is fully caught up to everything and I think that they're making gains as they go and once they start getting fully integrated with AI and everything else it's going to be it might actually be quite decent but um, yeah they're pushing hard now and you know World Triathlon have seen it and it's just it if anybody in Triathlon was going to do this it was going to be Super League they seem to be the ones who are hell-bent on creating, as you said, and you're 100% right, it's entertainment. It's sportainment. You know, it's not just that. They want rivalries and they want, you know, a bit of aggro and they want to see hard racing and they want to do this at different venues and they want to be glamorous and they want to have all these different things working. And they're getting it done because it's working and they keep producing this stuff and they keep getting funded to go around again. So it must be doing something right commercially if it keeps getting funded. Um, well, and that's, I guess that's my big question. I would love to see, I would love to see the books on that and, and see how much, um, how much money those events are truly bringing in. Like, you know, I know that they're probably getting some money from Rotterdam and, and London for, for putting on those, uh, Super League arena games there. Um, but is that enough to pay for the, how many, I think was it 10 athletes, 10 men, 10 women? Um, you know, pay their prize money, pay for it to get them in, pay for all of those treadmills, uh, pay for all of the um, all of the bike trainers that come in. I think they were all Wahoo uh, kickers. Um, you know, like I, I can't imagine that's an inexpensive event to put on and then pay for now, you know, covering stuff in a swimming pool is easier in terms of um, television coverage because you don't have motorbikes ride around and everything. But yeah, like, is it bringing in that much money? Um, so I, I would love to see that and and see those numbers. I reckon it is, though. I reckon it does. Um, you know, the the billionaires bankrolling things around the world, whether it be triathlon or whatever, they, they, you know, it's nice to have those people in board. They will expect to return at some point. But even then, I mean, what at what point do you – what you don't need is infrastructure. You know, you're talking about some gear and, the you know, the trainers and all that. I mean – They'll get that easily. That's not a huge expense, I wouldn't have thought. And generally, those things are sponsored. Um, yeah. Where Good they point. just throw on products. Products, products, right? Like products for a company oh. to give you, there's a cost to it, I know, but it's not like cash money, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe and maybe then, you know, we, we see a different side of, of an event and it's enclosed and it's, you know, you're going to get, like we're not going to get a crappy Ironman production where there's one motorbike for 16 guys and two are up the road and you don't really know what's happening and the people don't really know what's happening or commentating this. And if it's produced correctly, which you figure it's going to be, um, then maybe it's a worthwhile event to look at. The arena games were what they were. You know, they wasn't something that I'd sit down and watch for hours, but you'd certainly take a look at it. It would pass the interest. 
And you remember it too, the Olympics, they're all about packages, right? The Olympic distance was originally designed for a two-hour package. They wanted two hours plus medals done in that spot. You've got yeah. two hours. Um, in cycling, they got rid of the one-kilometer time trial because it was supposed to be too long. They brought in BMX because it was like 25 seconds worth of riding. You know, all that stuff goes back to my, um, you know, my phone commentary around, you know, people are stuck on their phones. You see the way people consume, you know, you look at Instant Reels or Snapchat or TikTok or something like that. It's all click, 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 click. They keep moving, swiping and moving and everything's moving. You know, people don't dwell on anything. So sports, yeah, sports. And even look look at the rock climbing or the, you know, the speed climbing. Those men and women were monkeying up there in, in, in nine seconds. That's holding your attention, but only just, you know. So, yeah, endurance sports, yeah. I mean, there's still a place. I'm not saying there's not, but, you know, you're competing against the world of movement and, and young people today are in a world of their own on movement. You watch a young person, you know, I'm talking, you know, an under 18 on a phone and it's it's a blur. You can't, I can't keep up. An old man, I'm an old man. You know, they just move everything so quickly and that's how their brain thinks. And I would imagine that's how they consume because they spend their life playing video games and, and I'm generalizing here, but they're, they're so attuned to that movement. Um, who knows? You're making me, uh, you're making me feel like we're, we're the two guys uh, from the Muppets, uh, the two old dudes up in the. Up Waldorf in the and Stadler. <laughs> You can be walled off. I'm embracing of it though. Like I don't mind it. I'm not. I'm not against it. I'm. I'm orig- originally horrified, but I'm not. You know. I'm kind of like, well, you know, let's see what it'll be. It'll be. You know, whether esports gets into the Olympics in any form, in any time soon, uh, who would know? Who would know? You know, we all laughed when golf put their hand up and tennis put their hand up and that kind of thing. Um, but I always like the Olympics too, though, Kevin, because that's when the shitty sports get their time to shine. I mean, table tennis, synchronized swimming, they get a stand. They get up there. We watch them. We're experts. Never seen anyone commentate gymnastics better than me when I watch someone do something and I'm going, oh, they've all them the diving when they've over-rotated, Kevin. Oh, that's not going to be a good score. The hell do I know? But I still watch it. So who knows? Oh, my goodness. 9.4 from the Aussie judge. <laughs> I'd be hopeless at that stuff because I think they're all – that's awesome. I couldn't do that yet. Give them 10, you know. <laughs> <laughs> The shitty, shitty judge. Uh, Kevin, we have segued our, through, our way through 46 minutes, which is a nice time to probably wrap it up. If you've been uh, – uh, any last words from you, my good mate? Uh, no, I'd, uh, I I think I, I'm so glad that I survived the world record um, <laughs> uh, swear fest. Although, you know what? When you told people to leave the room, it actually – I don't know that you swore that much. No, I cleaned um, up. <laughs> I cleaned it up a little bit. Hey, um, thanks for joining us, Kevin. You can be found uh, all over the place on the Twitter. Uh, you can be also found down at the um, Triathlon Magazine Canada. That's where you do your best work, and that's where you should go for all good things in triathlon. You can also find us on the Life of Try on Instagram, where we are posting just random photos. I put up a photo today of a man called Bevan Doherty. Man, did you hate us in the day. Oh, he did not like us. Man, I can remember him calling me out at a press conference. Uh, with my young editor, Timmy Bradley, and Bevan shot him in the press conference. It would have been at Auckland or or Taupo, one of those two. And he was not a happy camper. And Tim was a young buck earning his stripes in the triathlon writing world, and he didn't back down either. It was quite a standoff. 
And so since then, Bevan did not like us. But if you look at the photo, he's given us a bit of blue steel and it might've been at Taupo. Um, I, I can't imagine what he was thinking. God love him because he posed for the photo, but he must've been sitting there thinking, you shitheads. Dirty Aussies. Now I'm glad to definitely go and check that one out. Yeah. So if you come and see us at Life of Try at Instagram, um, let your friends know that we're out and about. Give us a listen. If you want to help out, make sure you uh, tell someone and and give us a listen, pass it on. If you've been running, riding, swimming, biking, cucumber patching, we hope you've enjoyed 48 minutes worth of Kevin and myself, and we'll see you all again in around about seven days. Kevin, I love your work as per usual, my friend. Hey, thanks so much, Phil. Another great chat. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.